So, before we start, yeah, you know what I was watching yesterday? I was like just scrolling through channels, and I, and there's a movie that popped up. Uh, and I don't actually know if I'm allowed to say the name of this movie on here. Oh, I just I just realized that. I was watching um, Kick Ass. I don't know if that's a, am I allowed to say that? Okay, we're gonna go with yes. So watching Kick Ass, you know you know the movie, right? Uh, I actually haven't heard of it personally, but do tell. So it's so it's a so it's a great superhero movie. Well, kind of. It's Matthew Vaughn. He directed the X Men First Class movie, and he also directed something. My brain's not functioning right now, but oh, the Kingsman, Ooh. Kingsman movies. Ooh, okay. yeah, I'm sure you know those movies, right? I've seen those. Yes. Yeah. So he directed those movies. He also directed X Men First Class, and he directed this movie Kick Ass. And it's so the second one was on TV, um, because I'm a weird person who still has cable, right? So I was watching the movie, and I was like. And I was just kind of watching, and then they they cut to a, a, an outside scene of an A and W, okay? And I'm like, oh wait, I completely forgot this movie was uh, was filmed in Toronto because it's like right here at um, it's the A and W at like Queen and Gross Grossvener or Grossvener, whatever the hell the street's called. Um, and I was like, and I, I tweeted because I forget to use blue sky and the other versions of this this app but like or x or whatever it's called now so and i was like i completely forgot this movie is filmed in toronto like i you know i recognize that place and it was it was a very funny thing also i was up until like three in the morning watching this movie so you know uh, it's what it's what you do though when you see a good movie on right it, it really did what the amazon's the boys series did way before that it was such a good movie it has um aaron taylor johnson from Avengers and other stuff. It also has Chloe Grace Moretz uh, from Tom and Jerry and other things. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm. Anyways, I'm just kind of saying words right now. But yeah, that was. It was just a very weird thing. But yeah. Anyways, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Movie Madness with me, your host Khalil Jamal, and I am joined as always by yet the guy who literally makes everything here function. And, you know, I just sit here and talk and he makes everything happen. So I'm here to talk about a bunch of things. This is mostly just one movie review. And then there was news that happened after that. So, and then I was like, you know what, let's just throw in another movie review. So we're going to do two movie reviews and then we're also going to talk about news. It's going to be a fun, fun day. So the movie we're talking about is the new rom-com, which comes out from, potentially when you're hearing this, comes out. Uh, tomorrow or the day of you're hearing this because I don't know when you're listening to this but it comes out soon it's called Anyone But You it um, stars Euphoria's uh, Sydney Sweeney and Devotion's Glenn Powell as directed by Will Gluck the director of Easy A and Friends with Benefits so now for this review I'm going to break it down in a way which I've never done before mainly because it's very rare I have a script with the things I'm going to talk about. And this will allow you to kind of jump through not only this review, but also the episode with timestamps, which will be in all likelihood in, in the podcast description. So that you can kind of decide what you want to listen to. Now, before I start, I do want to encourage you to follow us on social media at comicboys underscore. We run everything now where you can see video clips from the podcast. You can see other content you can see the giveaways we do and you get and in in all of the social medias in our bios for everything there's a link 
to the CB Media Network YouTube channel where you can actually see uh, even more amazing content around films, exclusive interviews, uh, other reviews, and weird stuff, including actually we have a fantasy movie league going, um, which we'll be filming the wrap-up in some time in the next few weeks. So that's all there. So you can also And you can also subscribe to this podcast feed and share it with your friends because it's fun. Now, the way I'm going to talk about this movie is kind of as follows. First, I'm going to talk about the chemistry between the two leads. Then I'm going to hit on some of the other plot character moments uh, and vibe stuff. And finally, I'll talk about the humor in this movie because humor matters in any good rom-com. Now, there will be spoilers in this review. I will probably release a non-spoiler review on the CB Media Network YouTube page and podcast feed, all of which is obviously linked as well in this episode description. So if you haven't seen it yet or you don't want to be spoiled, I mean, it's a rom-com, kind of guess how it ends. But if you don't want to be spoiled, then you can go check that out. But for here, we're going to kind of be gloves off with spoilers. Uh, and again, you know, it's not really excessive, but it's whatever. Whenever I talk about a movie, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of think about it. I'm like, Does, do I really have any ability to talk about this movie, Right. And I think there's very few times where the answer to that question is yes. Now, that probably undermines my credibility significantly. Probably should not have said that. However, there's a reason for that. And it's because, you know, I'm just one human being, obviously, right? And there's only so many movies I can watch while also living a, 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 a life, which, you know, is barely functioning as it is. But, you know, it, in theory, I, I live a life. So, you know, there's very few genres where I can, like, really say that I've seen, like, everything in this genre. Superheroes, by the way, being one of those genres. And the other one being, one of the other ones being rom-coms. So I've seen basically every rom-com in existence. Uh, it is my guilty pleasure movie to some extent. So this movie just kind of is one which I actually can give you, you know, a little bit more perspective on than perhaps, you know, let's say other kinds of movies. I'm not going to say what, because I don't want people to like, you know, just like, I need to be a credible voice for every kind of movie. But you know, there's obviously, yeah, this is one of my specialties because I've seen a lot of them. I, I guess that, is that how it works? I don't even know. I'm gonna... In a sense, yeah, I'd say that's how it works. Okay, we'll go with that. That's how, that being how it works. So, let's start off by talking about the two leads. Uh, be, uh, B played by Sydney Sweeney and Ben played by Glenn Powell. Of course, you have to have the alliteration, three letter first names because it's a rom com. And I'm gonna be honest with you when I say that I was, I was kind of worried about Sydney Sweeney in this role because like she doesn't. So she's done Euphoria. I threw up a quick Instagram poll last night actually, just to see. And again, you know, not a very scientific thing by any means because it's the people who engaged with my Instagram poll, which means I follow them or they follow me or something. And so there's a very, it's not a very representative sample of anything scientific, but it was interesting because the majority of people just hadn't seen Euphoria. So I guess I, I kind of assumed that, um, I kind of just assumed that everyone had seen Euphoria. But anyways, apparently uh, there's, so there's a lot of controversy with Sydney Sweeney and Euphoria, you know, because of the way you know, some people considered it to be uh, perverse and overly sexual. So she hasn't shown a lot of range. So this is a very interesting test for her. And I think 
I don't think she actually answered any of the questions I had because um, a rom-com trying to test if you have range is a bad way to judge range. But I went into it saying, okay, well, let's see if she can do this because she's also had very few leads in theatrical films. This is probably her biggest one so far. So initially, I, I did look at this as an opportunity for her to kind of expand her, her niche. But I do think she still had an interesting point of career. And I promise I'll get to the actual movie, but I do have to go through this because I thought about this on the train ride back from the movie. And so now I'm committed to talking about this. So she broke out in Euphoria in 2019 as Cassie Howard, who drew criticism and praise, and some people call it exploit exploitation, and others call it liberation and embracing of sexuality, right? Since then, she had made appearances on, you know, movies like Once Upon a Time, in movies like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, and she's done a number of other things, mainly on TV, including a few TV movies. Now, she is only 26 years old, and is once again, you know, she's kind of at a turning point, right? Because in, in January, she's got Madam Web, which is probably her biggest blockbuster film, uh, in theory. And if you look at the director of this movie, Will Gluck, he's directed three rom-coms. The first was Easy A, starring a 25-year-old Emma Stone, who went on to star in movies such as Crazy Stupid Love, La La Land, The Amazing Spider-Man, Cruella, The Help, The Favorite, and has really just kind of risen to an A-list actor. But he's also directed fr- he also directed Friends with Benefits, starring a 28-year-old Mila Kunis, who did not exactly go on to have the same career as Emma Stone, um, her biggest movies probably be her. Her biggest movie is probably Black Swan, which was before Friends with Benefits. So the way I see it, because he only has three, this is his third rom com, like big rom com. The only really way to see it is either she goes up to becoming an A list actor like Emma Stone, or down to like, or just kind of stay where she is in her niche, I guess. So. We're hoping that it's kind of the Emma Stone trajectory, I think, because that's obviously we always root for success. Obviously, she is going to be in a Spider-Man movie in in January, like I said. So maybe that's a good sign. I mean, you know, that that can't be a bad thing. But it it was there were various points in this film where I kind of felt like Sydney Sweeney's character was just kind of well, she was just kind of delivering lines like she was not really acting. And it also was kind of weird because the only person who it seemed like she had chemistry with was Glenn Powell's character Ben, which is important that the love interest is the person you have chemistry with. But at the same time, it's kind of, it kind of felt a little bit weird. And this, so there's a few pieces of evidence toward this because I'm not just going to make this claim right without giving you any evidence. So the first time they they met at a coffee shop, you know, and it this and it this kind of awkward chemistry they had, right? It worked really well. And then there was when she spilled the water on herself and, and had to like dry it and you know all of that stuff which kind of led to that those kind of that first awkward moment. Also the intentionally awkward Titanic scene reenactment scene, and then also all the water sequences because apparently this movie just seemed to be the best when the characters were in water. And I don't know why that is, but that was just the way it was. So, you know, and and this is true either when Ben and B were swimming on the like swimming to the boat at the beginning or when Ben revealed that he's scared of flying or when he, um, after he jumped in to rescue her from drowning, even though he's a worse swimmer than her um, because love, I guess, I don't know. And also when he was kind of jumped in the water in order to get picked up in the rescue helicopter and then he uh, diverted it off to go 
find her because, again, what do rescue helicopters do but, you know, go make sure that they can make nice, powerful love scenes in movies, right? You know? That's what, that's what the rescue services are there for. And this movie takes place in Australia, by the way, in case you haven't seen it yet and you're just kind of confused. Now, on another note, it's surprising that the entire premise of this movie relies, once again, on simple miscommunication and a misunderstanding that one would kind of expect the characters to resolve within the first five minutes of the film, which is how you know it's a good classic rom-com, right? So speaking of miscommunication, let's start with some of these other character and plot moments in, in this thing. And we'll start doing it by going through a bunch of different rom-com tropes because I think that's kind of a fun way to do it to say, okay, let's look at all of these tropes that are common in rom-coms and also are common in, in this rom-com. So that's a good way to structure it anyways. Let's start talking about the beta couple trope. Now, this is just basically a background relationship which is happening between the confidence of, confidants of the main couple and which sets up everything that kind of unfolds in in this case, it's B's sister, Claudia. Um, or sorry, the relationship is between Claudia and Haley. Um, Haley, who is the who is B's sister, and Claudia, who is the sister of Ben's best friend, and is also friends with Ben, which is how those two end up together in Australia for this wedding, right? And I'll tell you this. There's a lot of times with the, these couples, right, that are kind of like you know, technically the center of the movie because of the events around them, but in reality, obviously, they aren't. This was the first time where I've ever watched, or one of the first times where I've ever watched a rom-com where I've been like, I want more of this. I want more of them. I don't kind of care about the other people, right? Like, I cared more about that couple and their kind of, you know, story than I did about, like, most of the characters, probably including the main characters in this movie, because they were just so funny, and they did such a good job um, kind of manipulating B and Ben and forced them to kind of get over their own stupid stuff and realize the truth about their feelings at least for enough to um not burn down the entire wedding because yeah they almost did that once they almost burned down um they literally set something on fire because they were fighting now speaking of burning things down we've got to talk about the poor communication kills trope this trope is a very common one in rom-coms and the entire uh in this case, the entire plot of the movie is pretty much reliant on this trope, and the premise of this movie is, um, is if you know we're being honest, it should have probably figured like the whole problem in this movie, which is that they have their one night stand at the start of the movie, then she le- then B leaves, right? B and Ben had their one night stand at the beginning of the movie, right? Then she- B leaves, and in the more like she leaves in the morning, then she comes back because she kind of regrets running away because, you know, that's weird. And then she comes back, and then she hears him say mean stuff to her, um, and then she just kind of goes back to her engagement, which apparently she was engaged the entire time, and, you know. uh, But they're on break, which makes it okay, I guess. I don't know. I was trying to remember this, but there was some movie I watched recently, or a show or something, where, like, the entire... Was it Friends? I was rewatching Friends, I think. And it was Rachel. Yeah, it was Rachel and Ross. Ross did something when they were on break. And it was like a whole thing. So it's kind of like that, except um, it's not like that because there's never any fighting between the person she was engaged to who she ended up breaking it off with. Um, even though, I mean, again, according to Friends rules, he technically 
she technically cheated on him because that's how again according to breaks breaks according to friends that that's how it works and that's that's what I'm going with uh, in this case anyways so so like she thought she had greater feelings for him which is why she went back after their one night stand right the Ben I mean like she, B had feelings for Ben and then he, she hears him say the stuff and then she leaves again right and she doesn't like tell him he was there or whatever right and then she just kind of goes like they don't even talk apparently for like the next like amount of time because there's like a time jump and then they just kind of see each other at a club and have an interaction an angry interaction but it's like they never actually interacted between that like i don't know that feels a little bit weird where it's like you didn't even call to yell at him for being a jerk and then him saying oh no i was just saying that because of whatever or or something like that right i don't know i feel like there was kind of that weird either i just kind of like blacked out and completely missed it or there's just clearly something missing there and it feels like they should have probably done something to address that but you know what do i know um but the humor in this movie was interesting because there were a lot of hilarious scenes and i think uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn Powell and, or, and Cindy Sweeney and the entire cast really just killed it with the visual comedy. The plane scene with B trying to get her sweater unstuck from Ben's seat where the camera was angled so it looked like, um, she was doing something to, uh, sleeping Ben when they were flying. The, anyways, the camera did a, did, yeah. Yeah, Ian, Ian gets it, so I know everyone else gets it too, okay. So she's like, you know, trying to yank it out, and, and it's and, and she's on top of him, and, you know, then some old lady wakes up and, and sees her doing that and is very, very confused. Um, the, ca- the camera work in this is, is, is something different. Um, the, other, the other scene, which is um, when they're trying to, like, show they're overly affectionate for each other, and they're at, like, the, they're over, like, in some, at some, like, you know, some peaks, some mountain thing. Then there's a koala bear who shows up, right? And so everyone starts paying attention to the koala bear because, you know, it's a koala bear in Australia. Who, who, knew, who knew? And so then, you know, they're trying to, um, you know, rub each other's butts. I even though I've already said this word in, in the, another context, but whatever. They're trying to rub each other's butts. And then B puts his hand into Ben's pants, which apparently he has no underwear on, which, again, you know, this is all stuff that they just need to talk about in, in this movie. Uh, and then she accidentally ends up sticking a finger up his butt, and, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, and the other thing is, um, of course, Pete trying to talk to the koala bear while this is all going on, which is hilarious, because it's like, you know, you, you see this going on, and then they're just, like, the whole group's just standing talking to a koala bear, and you're kind of like, okay, this is funny. Also, you know, shout out to Jonathan, who was played by Darren Barnett, who also played Paxton in Never Have I Ever. Have you seen Have you seen the show? Uh, no, not personally. So he plays Paxton in in the show Never Have I Ever on Netflix, and uh, it's weird because he try he's supposed to be like the good guy, almost like the um the role that Ben Gross played in, in Never Have I Ever, but like he's supposed to be like because he's the person who B is supposed to be married to but he's like too nice and is not dangerous enough you know because that's like a that's that's the reason that she doesn't like him I guess or breaks off their engagement so it's weird because he's like a part of this love triangle right because uh, her parents B's parents bring him to this wedding because they're trying to like get them back together and 
so basically that becomes very awkward but like it's weird because i remember him on never have i ever being kind of the the dangerous character right like that other character in that love that theoretical love triangle which by the way weird side note here i never understood the phrase love triangle it really should just be a love line because like it, it the, the the point doesn't connect right like it's 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 two people one person right like the the top of the triangle never connects right you know what i mean yeah yeah i see what you're saying there some for most times it doesn't actually very like it's very rare for a love triangle to actually have like a th like a relationship where the person and is in like has feelings for both people right and like it's the same for every because if you like a triangle is like a closed shape right which means everything has to every point has to connect i learned this in grade three uh, maybe earlier than that actually but you know that like it doesn't make sense i always call them love lines because it makes more sense because there is no connection between the two but i mean you know i'm sure there's other shapes but i just go with line because then it doesn't require me to think but yeah, anyways, I, it was very hard for me to see him as a as a good guy in this movie because he just seems like a jerk because of his role in Never Have I Ever. So, you know, shout out to him, though, for existing because he was decent. Anyways, enough of me trying to talk about this movie. Just go watch it because it's really funny and um, it's groundbreaking. Look, everyone like and I love watching these movies in in the theater, like these rom-coms in the theater. It's very rare I do. Um Actually, I think this is the first year I've actually watched two rom-coms in theaters. Um, I watched this one and I watched um, the one with Jennifer Lawrence and um, at the beginning of the year. I don't remember what it's called anymore. But like, it's very rare I do. But when I do, it's kind of... But this year has been good. Because like, I think a lot of the comedy kind of gets lost if you don't watch it with like in a theater audience. You know what I mean? Because like those movies, these, and especially when you're talking about them after, right? It's kind of like, uh, it's no hard feeling. That was the, the one I watched that was earlier this year. Um, anyways, so yeah, because it's weird because you don't you don't know if it's like just you finding this funny or if it's like actually other people finding this funny. And so it's good because I could confirm the fact that it was not just me who found this funny. It was like a lot of people. So because everyone was like really enjoying enjoying themselves and laughing, um, and I obviously I was laughing too, but. Like, it's just, I don't know. These movies always make me feel, like, weird because it just, it's, it's, they're just, they're just fascinating movies, right? Because they get, like, they're by the books, but they're not bad, right? Like, they're good, fun movies. And actually, there's this Twitter thread where I was going to pull, but I, I couldn't because I couldn't find it. Um, but it was about basically talking about how, like, it's okay to have a by the book movie and it can still be fun. But and and that's kind of what this movie is, right? Which is like it's by the book, sure, but it's a rom com. Like, how out of the box can you make it without it being boring, right? Like, there's certain f movies where it's like, okay, you can't you can't do this. Like, just you can't just go by the tropes. But some movies, it's okay. And so I think this is one of the movies that's okay. Actually, the movie we'll talk about at the end of this episode is one where it's not okay to go by the books, and they do, and it makes it bad. But I what I will say is. As someone who barely leaves my cave, I will I will say that it's um this is this movie kind of encapsulates what I assume social interaction is like, um because like literally, I just kind of go from my cave watching movies to a theater to watch movies to here to record and then go back to my cave, um I'm I'm just gonna make everyone think I just don't see sunlight ever, it that's gonna work, so now, on to the next topic, I'm talking about another topic now.
And this is a topic which, in theory, I like to talk about. But in reality, this is not very happy news. Because it's very, very sad, very serious. So a few days ago, Marvel Studios fired Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors, the guy who plays Kang. And he was supposed to be in, you know, the next big Avengers, big bad. Yeah, I think he knows, I think he knows where I'm going with this one. Um, he's supposed to be the next Avengers, big bad. He's supposed to be Kang. Um, wasn't really thrilled about him being Kang. But the reason they fired him was not because I was not thrilled about him. It was because he was found guilty of domestic assault. First of all, I gotta, I gotta, apparently this is like a thing where you have to address this, but like, domestic assault is bad. And that is a fireable offense being found guilty of any sort of assault like assault is a fire should be a fireable offense and it doesn't like because i found and i don't yeah uh, there are people on this uh, on the internet i saw who were tweeting like this is racist by disney or whatever it's like i i don't remember when the standard changed so much that like like, this really, like, I, I don't think there should be any doubt that this is obviously, like, the right decision. And, you know, this is obviously an awful thing he did. And, you know, we're going to see what the prison sentence is um, soon. I don't remember exactly when the sentencing is, but it's going to be soon. Um, the text, I like, again, I don't, I don't want to make statements, like, off the cuff without the actual thing. But I'm pretty sure there was some pretty damning text message evidence, which was, um, which kind of really sealed the deal. But obviously everything's found on the internet. You can find all the information you need on this. But, you know, I, I think this does lead to a few outstanding questions and about Marvel's future because, you know, when you lose your big bad, it's kind of a big deal. So they have a few directions they can go, and I kind of want to go through some of them a little bit quickly. So they could simply recast them, which would probably be the easiest headache-free solution. Uh, that would probably be the most seamless way to do it. And, you know, Marvel's not shy about recasting it's not like they haven't done it before they did it with uh terrence howard as war machine uh before they had don Cheadle after iron man like because iron man the first iron man movie had terrence howard um he also did uh he also was found guilty or uh, there was some accusation of domestic assault and various other things and i think that led i'm pretty sure at least that's the case i'm not 100 percent sure i'm pretty close to sure but he was also angry about things on set and stuff so they kind of moved on from him, and they got Don Cheadle, and it's worked out pretty well. They did it with Edward Norton in After the Incredible Hulk for other non-criminal reasons. They did it with the Red Skull when he returned in Infinity War. And the one that people forget, actually, which you know I always love to bring up as like one of the weird ways that my brain remembers some things and doesn't remember other things. So you know, have you seen the Avengers yet, right? Okay, good. I was, I was going to say, there's going to be some problems if you haven't seen the Avengers yet, but... So you know how Guardians of the... Uh, you know how Thanos shows up at the end of that movie, in the end credit scene? Yep, yep, yep. So, I don't know if you know this, but he was played by Damien Potier at the end of Avengers. Now, I don't know if you know who played Thanos in Endgame and, and basically every other appearance of him after the Avengers, but it was Josh Brolin, right? And The guy played Cable in Deadpool. Um, but... So he so technically Thanos was recast after Avengers for Guardians of the Galaxy. And the reason for that, I'll tell you the story. And the reason for that is that um, it was James Gunn who technically cast Brolin as Thanos for Guardians of the Galaxy. And this now this would be a little bit different because 
technically at the time, Joss Whedon just wanted to put someone there just so they could have, like, just so while they kind of figure out the design for Thanos. Obviously, if you look at Thanos, the change, because he's much darker purple in um, in Avengers than he is in, in Endgame and Infinity War and, and all those movies and even Guardians, right? And it's because... Um, Joss Whedon, the director of Avengers, just wanted to kind of tease him, and they didn't really cast anyone. hadn't cast anyone, so they just kind of put a, a body double, kind of stand-in stunt person, who to just play the role because it's basically all CGI, and he doesn't say. I, guess I think he says one line, so that that would be obviously the difference, right? The difference is that, you know, although Marvel did recast their first big bad, the it's a little bit different because Kang's actually being the main character of obviously Loki and or one of the main characters of Loki and also the main character of Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. So you've seen a little bit more. Although if box office for Ant-Man and the Wasp is anything to look at, I mean, you know, maybe no one saw that. I don't know. I'm just saying. Plus like, you know, with the with the multiverse, this can kind of all work itself out. Like is let's be honest, if they just if there's some other guy showing up as Kang, is anyone really going to say anything? I don't think so, right? Yeah, no. And again, you know, everyone knows my opinions on, on Jonathan Majors as Kang outside of all of this stuff. So, you know, I'm not against that, any of these ideas, because I don't think he was a good villain. But anyways, the other option is they can pivot away from Kang completely. And there's some rumors about this that have sur surfaced up online. Uh, this, in my opinion, seems too messy. And but there is an interesting way they could do this. And I was thinking about this last night and I was like, you know, they could kind of do this and pull from another franchise that I love. And what I mean by that is, and they kind of have done this with Kang, by the way, in Loki and in Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp, but they could basically turn Kang into Snoke, right, as a way to pivot away from him. So now I don't know if, I don't know if, you, if you know where I'm going with this one, but the, so in, in Star Wars, in, in the, basically in The Last Jedi, they kind of just kill Snoke, like, pretty much right away, and he just dies and it's over. And it basically, it was... Very annoying to a lot of people on the internet because everyone is speculating for like a year about who Snoke was after The Force Awakens. Kind of set him up as this next big bad of Star Wars. And, you know, it kind of just turned out, nope, he, 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 just, he just died. He's just dead. And Kylo Ren was the real bad guy. And then it turned out, no, it's Emperor Palpatine. But, anyways, that's not, we're not talking about Star Wars right now. We're talking about uh, Kang. But... What I will say is they, they did this for The Last Jedi, obviously, and you could kind of do the same thing. Like, and I think, you know, if you can kind of work around, and I don't know what the ramifications of this would be, but, like, if you could work around this with already cut footage and basically just have him, like, die right away, I don't know if, like, you know, decapitating him would be a terrible thing, you know, for the audience to see him get killed on screen. But... Or you just recast him, kill him, and move on, right? Like, you kind of do something like that. Or use a body double, right? Like, there's so many ways you can get around it. But, like, I think... Or you could just kill him off screen, Black Panther style. Um, like, I, I just think that you have... Like, I think that would kind of be the best way to do it. Like, oh, someone worse than him kind of just comes in, kills him, and then you kind of have to move on. And this, this would be the ultimate kind of psych moment as well if you open the movie up like that. And, you know, it'd be a pretty cool way to... It might even be a decent way to, like, hide spoilers because you could probably maybe kind of hide some spoilers. Like, I know with Endgame, right, they opened it up by killing Thanos, right? And everyone's kind of like, wait, what? What happened? They killed Thanos, like, two minutes into the movie. And then it turned out that it was Thanos from the past was the bad guy of that movie. So, 
you know, you can do that, and then you can bring in like Doctor Doom, Scarlet Witch, the Beyonder, Galactus, or some other big bad who could split the multiverse. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to introduce the X Men into the MCU, and then have the next Avengers thing be leading up to Avengers vs X Men. So, you know, obviously, like, anyone who can do that, be that Galactus, be that Dormammu, be that Scarlet Witch, be that Doctor Doom, you know, who cares? So you can just bring somebody else to do the same ultimate goal you'd have to kind of work around some of the other stuff but i don't know do you do like those ideas which one do you like more uh i would say i like more bringing someone else like kind of galactus kind of character just basically cutting kang out and just doing something else instead of recasting him i mean yeah that i mean if it's shaping up to what you're saying to where it's going to be the Avengers versus the X-Men. I mean, ultimately, that's where they want to go, but because that's going to yeah, make a lot of money. But. Then that makes the most sense, but also true. It'll make the most money. So, I mean, I, I and I think, you know, it also depends on, like, I my theory still is that Scarlet Witch was always going to be the villain of, the, of Avengers Secret Wars, so I don't think, which is the movie after Kang Dynasties, which is supposed to be Avengers, the next event, Avengers 5, but, um, again... I don't know what they're going to do. You know, there's some fan art of um, Denzel Washington as Kang, and I've I got to say, you know, looks pretty good. Just going to say that much. Um, now let's talk about another movie I watched, which I kind of just, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to watch this, um, and then my sister wanted to go watch it. So I was like, you know what? Let's go watch it. And this movie's called Wonka. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's the Timothy Chalamet movie with um, him as Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Haven't seen it, but I've heard. So I've seen it. I'll tell you, don't don't go watch it. It's not not a good time. So I'll I'll be honest. This was not a great movie, and I was extremely underwhelmed. And I mean, I did not expect much from this movie. Like I did not have these expectations going into it. I just hoped for a little bit of fun, and I was wrong. This was boring, and this was a slog. And I mean, I'm trying to be nice here, but that's kind of what it was. You know, the best part of of the character. Willy Wonka, right, who's being portrayed by, like, Johnny Depp and Gene Wilder, was kind of his crazy, exo- like, eccentricness, right? The almost creepy part of him, right? Like, kind of, like, psycho kid murderer dude, right? And and this kind of, this kind of like, crazy part of him and this kind of creepy, mysterious, crazy part of him made him this kind of fascinating character in those movies, right? But they kind of just soften him too much in this movie and make him almost too human to a point like with friends and some heartfelt origin story which like it's kind of like why it just doesn't you know it, like it doesn't explain why he closes his factory for instance at the beat which is obviously the thing and then he's like oh i'm opening up just to put a bunch of golden tickets into t- chocolate right to find someone to inherit my factory like there's no explanation about any of that uh this doesn't explain why he's so intent on basically murdering kids and it also does, you know, they don't even deal with the fact that, like, he enslaves an entire population of Oompa Loompas to work in his factory. Like, that feels like a decent part of his origin, you know, how he got an entire population of orange people to work in his uh, factory, singing orange people. But he, they don't even talk about that. Um, instead, he partners with this small man named Hugh Grant, also known as an Oompa Loompa. Sorry, an Oompa Loompa, also known as Hugh Grant. There you go. And the and and that's just kind of it they don't really maybe they'll have a sequel i guess i don't know but it just felt weird anyways the villain of this movie is really capitalism i know who saw that one coming i know capitalism is the villain of the movie who saw that one coming and now it is embodied by three corrupt and pretty evil chocolate sellers who form an oligopoly 
uh, which anyone who doesn't know what that is, look it up. I am not explaining what an oligopoly is, uh, even though I kind of will in, in a second. But anyways, they so ba- we're, they basically just kind of use their market share, which is the entire market, because if the market's kind of split between the three of them, they're three dominant players in the market. They all kind of team up and they all kind of control the market and make sure no one comes into the market and they're kind of you know, working together. By the way, a crime, just pointing it out, that is a crime to... Uh, con- if you if you do operate with a like if everyone with the market share operates together that's a, that's a crime um and they they also do some pretty th- uh, evil things like they uh they they pay off cops with chocolate because that's all it takes to pay off cho- cops with chocolate um and they use their they use their market their their power over the market to kind of shut down attempts to compete with them Again, a crime. Just to point that out. And they also have a chocolate church cult thing. Yeah, like the entire base, like the three of them, they're evil bases out of a church. And they have, and there's like this corrupt chocolate church thing going on where it's like a real church, but like there's a secret elevator in one of like the uh, confession booth things. And there's like, chocolate um like a chocolate priest played by so you know you know the chocolate priest is played by mr bean what yeah what yeah he plays a chocolate priest who is like a a priest who is supposed to be a priest but is also like corrupt and also is like the door- gatekeeper to their secret underground lair and all you have to do is give him chocolate and he'll let you into the underground lair where they have all their corrupt book, they have their book of all the bad things they've done because that's what every bad guy has, obviously. So you can expose them. Um, also, this is made before the internet, I'm assuming. So, you know, um, they that's why it's all on a bo- in a book, which is all just together, you know, nicely. Which they kind of just left out in their on, which is how the guy who found it. Also, this movie talks about child slavery a little bit too. We'll talk about that one in a second. Um, I know, I know that that's the reaction I was I was expecting, and they. So yeah, they have a corrupt priest pay- played by uh, Mr. Bean. Like this, this movie is weird because it tries to be deep and complex and talk about market inequalities, police corruption, child labor. Because um, Mr. Wonka, who by the way uh, cannot read in this, I don't know if you know this, but he can't read. I know he thinks that uh, it's kind of for humor more than anything, um, because he seems like this. In- although he's very also financially irresponsible, I do have to kind of. This was very annoying. So the beginning of the movie, because this is a musical, right? So. He's talking about how he has like a hundred coins, basically. By the end of the song, which is like five minutes through the movie, he has none left. He drops the last one into the sewer. And all, apparently all he needs is one of these magic coins to stay in a hotel room for a night. So, he, but he literally, like I'm not joking, he starts off the song with a hundred coins, okay? He needs one to survive. And he literally loses all of them. How? But he, it's literally five minutes. He loses every single coin. Including dropping one in the sewer because he was trying to do a trick with it. This is called financial irresponsibility. So, anyways, he can't he can't go any like he can't pay for a hotel room, right? So he's just kind of going to camp outside in the middle of winter. It's cold, right? So he can't do that. Um, so some weird, creepy guy who clearly looks like someone you should not talk. Like if you see this kind of guy on the street, you do you just kind of kind of cross the sidewalk. You kind of walk away. It's like, hey, I know somewhere we can stay for free. To come with me. He's got a very angry dog, too. Um, now, I don't know. Yeah, I'll ask you this question, because maybe, you know, maybe I'm just, like, 
you know, elevated above this. But like, if someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, I know where you could stay for free for a night. Come with me," and he's like, you know, looks like he clearly does not live anywhere. W- would you follow him? I think it's safe to say anyone with at least half a brain would say no. So this guy, this this Wonka guy says, "Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's do this thing." So he goes, and he goes to this place, which is this inn, right? And so this this lady, Miss Scrubbit, who is played by Olivia Coleman, by the way, legendary actress, um, and does some amazing stuff, and is great in this movie too, by the way. And she's this she's basically like, like the evil bad person in this movie, one of the evil bad people in this movie. So she owns this inn, and she and she clearly again, you know, very questionable character. She's like, hey, I'll let you stay here for free. Just sign this contract, okay? And it looks like an innocent enough whatever contract. And you can pay in the morning is what she says, right? Just one coin. Now, there's this little girl who comes and says, basically, read the fine print. And so, you know, he kind of like inspecting the contract. We don't know. He can't read at this point, right? And he kind of pulls it open. And then it's like a whole bunch of like tiny little words, right? Fine print, small print, whatever. And now, obviously, red bell, red red flag. Someone tells you, you know. And then she shoot away very quickly uh, by Miss Grubbin and then punished by getting put in a chicken coop um, because that's the punishment. It's very much like Matilda in a lot of ways, except the superpowers. Um, so, but anyways, so he sees all this small print, right? And clearly someone is warning him about this. So he's reading, uh, you know, pretending to read it, basically. And the guy, the creepy guy, is about to, like, knock him out. Again, I don't know how this would, would was going to work if he didn't sign it. But anyways, he reads it, or pretends to read it, I guess, and then just kind of signs it anyways. Now, again... I don't know if if so if you see this suspicious looking contract, are you gonna like? I get it, he can't read, but like, are you just gonna sign it? Like, ladies and gentlemen, please never sign a contract before reading ever, ever, ever. Also, if there's like pages of hidden fine print, then maybe there should be red flags. Like, I don't know. Again, I I'm I'm no expert, but I I think I I think like I'd hope that like like I told my sister, I'm like, don't do this. This is dumb, right? Like, I don't know. It was weird because then, so basically what, what happened when he signed that contract, what he agreed to, I'll tell you now. So you, you kind of suspense is gone, but he basically agreed that he, there's basically like a bunch of in, insane surcharges for like walking up the stairs. You get charged for every step you use. And if you touch the, the, the hand soap in the room, you get charged. And if you use, or like the bar of soap in the room or something, if you get charged and if you use the bed, you get charged. And like basically like a whole bunch of a small surgery, which like adds up to like an insane amount of money. And then because he can't afford that, obviously, because he only has the one coin to pay back or the next day. She then says, well, you can just make it back by working for me in my scrubbing house, right? Clean, dry cleaning thing, I guess. I don't know. And so he's there with this, um, with this, um, this kid who, you know, can read. And even though she was raised an orphan with this Miss Scrubbit person, uh, she loves to read. Again, very Matilda-like. It would have actually probably been better if they just said, hey, we're doing like a weird version of Matilda here too and we'll do a spin-off universe kind of thing. I don't know what's happening to me, the fact that I'm thinking about turning Willy Wonka into a spin-off thing because, you know, I don't know. Anyways, so, and then there's also like this accountant who got somehow got stuck in this room. Again, a guy who probably is like an accountant you would assume is smart enough to read contracts. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think he gave a reason, which probably was not very good, but I don't remember what it was anymore. He was then there's someone who worked for a call center, basically, who was who's there, but like an old 
time call center, I guess. I don't know. And like a switchboard operator. Um, that's what I meant to say. So anyways, they're all basically working. He invents a crazy machine so he can go sneak out and do stuff. But, yeah, and he also milks, milks a giraffe. Huh? Yeah, he milks a giraffe for chocolate because his chocolate requires giraffe milk. Okay. They break into a zoo. Um, yeah. That happened. It does. It does happen. Um, wow, I've really lost my mind. You know, I'm, I'm starting to think, think about this. I think, I think I've literally lost my mind. And I'll tell you, this movie's not great. But, I mean, the, mu- the music was cool. I, you know, musicals are fun, whatever. And, and again, like, you know, the... I give musicals often a lot of, um, like, you know, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief quite substantially. And this movie, like, I tried. I really did try to, like, you know, just say, you know, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here, whatever. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't work. And as much as I tried to suspend my disbelief, I don't know. This just, like, it didn't work. And this movie sucked. Let me be honest with you. Like, it might have been better if Willy Wonka had. Like it hadn't been a character called Willy Wonka, so the director of this movie is Paul King. Okay, now Paul King directed Paddington. Paddington's a great movie, by the way. I haven't seen the second one, but the Paddington one's really good. And and this movie does feel like Paddington in a lot of ways. The issue is it's about Willy Wonka, and you can't make a Paddington like you can't make Willy Wonka Paddington Bear. You know what I mean? Like. You have, like, if it was some other random person, you know, like, how Paddington was not about any, you know, iconic crazy character played by Johnny Depp at some point, like, you can kind of get away with it, but, like, if it's Willy Wonka, you can't really direct it like you're directing Paddington, right? And so I think that was kind of my issue with it, is, like, it just feels totally, it feels wrong for the character's name. Maybe that's wrong of me to, like, you know, put this much credence on a character, but like, if you're good, like it's kind of like the the DC prequel thing, right? And I I say DC not to pick on them, but just because they do a lot of this, and, and specific last thing like Gotham, right? And like with Gotham, where you, I'm sure it's a good show. I watched two seasons, I think, plus a few random episodes. Um, they also did this Krypton and Pennyworth, but we'll talk about Gotham for now. And Gotham's about obviously about like a kid Bruce Wayne, right? And they just kind of go out of their way. To make it like, oh, look, this is a kid Batman, though. Batman, he becomes Batman. It's like, this just doesn't fit with the character, even the way they do some of the villains. It's like, this doesn't make any sense, you know. But I know you're trying to do this all because you understand that the name is going to get you, you know, attention more than if you just put, you know, some random character. I can't think of a random name, but like, if you just put some random name on that character, right? But it's like, I don't know. Just don't do this. Don't make this stupid movie. I don't know. So, anyways, stop doing semi-origin stories, please. And with that that being said, thank you all for listening, and I will see you next time. And have a great holidays, because I don't I don't know. Anyways, bye.